Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, good morning, Movement Church, and happy 2021. You made it through the holidays, well, sort of. We all know how this Sunday works. This is that moment where some of us have been working, and I know you're going to be the ones that are mad, but a lot of people have been wearing sweatpants for like 10 straight days and wondering when their kids are going to get out of their house and trying to figure out how much Christmas chocolate is still under the tree, and you're just wondering through this fog of the holidays. Well, I want you to know this is the Sunday where life gets back to normal, where everything is is starting to feel normal again, and I want to say the holidays are over. Happy Happy New Year, right? We uh, we want you to know that uh, if if you've got a, a Christmas sweater that your mother in law bought you, you can get that ready for work, and you can be all ready to go and face the new year. Hey, we are starting a series today called Vital Signs. Vital Signs are measurements of the body's most basic functions. And there's really four main vital signs that healthcare professionals will often look at. That's body temperature, blood pressure, your pulse, your heart rate, and your breathing. And these measurements are taken because they basically help you know your general health and really if you're alive. They tell you if you have diseases or how you're working toward recovery. Your vital signs tell the story of how your body is doing. And so we're starting this series today. We're talking through these next couple of weeks because you can lie to yourself. You can lie to yourself about your spiritual health, about your spiritual recovery, about where you are, about where your body is, but your vital signs will not lie. And so we're not doing this out of a heart of judgment when we do this out of a heart of scripture, out of a heart of the gospel, but we want people to be able to look at their lives, look at their spiritual lives as the year starts and say, where am I at? Where are my vital signs? We want people to be able to monitor their life and their growth because we're getting ready to enter a pretty exciting season of opportunity for our church. We have some huge things we're going to be talking about in February. And so first, in January, we want to know where are you at? Where are your vital signs? Where is your heart? And so recently, just a couple of weeks ago, we read from the Christmas story. We read Luke chapter 2. And as I studied that this year for Christmas, I kept going in that chapter and read a passage there at the end of that chapter. And I just thought, man, this has to be in the Vital Signs series. We had actually built and constructed this whole series. And I just thought, no, we've got to fit this in. This is the foundational piece that we want to build all the other blocks on. This is everything that we want to establish. And so I want to invite you today to turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 50. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 50. We want to look at this story of of an encounter that Jesus has with his parents as he's growing up and and kind of in his... uh, teenage years there, right in the the tween years, I guess you could say. And so I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 50. It says this, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 
His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Well, Jesus was Jewish. I believe most of us know that. Most of us know that the family of Jesus was Jewish. And so they had a tradition that they would travel back to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of Passover. The Jewish people would celebrate this feast to commemorate the liberation of the children of Israel uh, that were led out of Egypt by Moses. And they had celebrated this since 1300 B.C. And so this was a big deal in their culture. This is something that everybody would have done. Everyone would have been a part of. I'm not sure what to really equate it to. Maybe you could say it'd be similar in Columbus to the Ohio State Michigan game in a normal year, right? Most years you have people going to parties. You have people watching that game. You have people talking about it the week of. The news is covering it. The media is covering it. And it kind of permeates the city. Maybe that's the closest thing that we could have to this. But all of these people would walk caravan style and they would make this trip from Nazareth to Jerusalem. Now, this trip was about 64 miles, we think, and so they'd probably do this over three or four days, doing like 10-plus miles a day, and and this would have been a, a trek. And this is how this story is is set. And then on top of that, you have the, the encounter that, that happened. And this has happened to probably everyone that's listening at one time or another. You're watching your kids at the zoo, and suddenly you look up, and your kid's climbing the cage into the lion area, and you think, oh my gosh, I'm the worst parent ever. Maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe it was your friend kid, your friend's kids that, that you sort of lost when you were supposed to watch them that one time. Some of you were like, I don't even have kids. I'm not married. Well, guess what? You have fur babies. You have dogs or something. In some way, you've lost something. It's gotten away from you, and you know what this is about. A couple years ago on vacation, we had this happen with our daughter, Zion. We go with our whole extended family, and so we're all hanging out. There's some people that are always down in the water. There's some people that are right where the waves crash at the edge of the water, sitting on those low chairs. We've got people that build these giant, elaborate sandcastles. We've got people like this redheaded guy who are hiding out in the shade, wearing T-shirts and crazy amounts of sunscreen. We've got people that are doing beach sports, and, you know, we're all keeping track of each other. But suddenly we looked up, and I think Kristen said to me, "Where's, where's Zion? And I thought, oh, she's with the water. No, she's not with the water people. Okay, she must be with the, she's probably playing. Maybe she's building a sit. And she was with none of those people. We started looking and looking and looking. And it got a little frantic. And finally, we realized that right where we came in the beach, before we walked down the beach where we set up camp, she decided that she had to throw away a wrapper out of her lunch. And she had walked really far away for someone that was four years old. And we were like, Zion! We ran and got her. But we've all been there. We've all lost someone. We've all gone through the emotion 
of this. And yet this story is a little different because we look at the life of Jesus and we, we wonder, was this Jesus' fault or was this Mary and Joseph's fault? Things are a little different when your son is the son of God. Mary and Joseph didn't really lose Jesus in that classic way as much as they walked away from him. But this is how it unfolded. His parents had one job, to walk with Jesus, to be with Jesus. But we all know how vacation works, right? That day that you travel is frantic. You load up the car. You got to get there. You got to go, 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 go. And the day that you're traveling home is the same way. You're sick of vacation. You're sick of people. You've got work. You've got business. We want to get home. We want to do what we do. And so we're going to leave on our schedule. It reminds me of that scene in Home Alone where they're counting kids and counting heads and passing out passports and tickets and they're doing their thing and they're checking off the boxes and And yet the trip wasn't really working. Something was wrong and they realized that they they left their son at home. This, This interaction is very similar. Mary and Joseph are on the move. They're making things happen. They're justifying things in their mind. And yet eventually they say, wait, is Jesus along for this ride? No, it doesn't matter. We'll find him. He's here somewhere. This trip wasn't working, though. This trip wasn't wasn't happening the way that it was supposed to. Something was empty. Something was missing. We know that feeling, but we ignore it. We deny it. And yet God has given us this, this emotion, this, this, this moment where we can say, man, God's not in this. God is not here. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and enlightens things to us. And it's obvious when Jesus is missing because things aren't working. Mary and Joseph were surrounded by people. They were surrounded by family. They were surrounded by a party. They were surrounded by this religious activity. What they were doing and where they were traveling was a good, worthwhile thing. And yet Jesus wasn't there. Nothing there was a substitute for Jesus. And I know someone here can relate to that. Because I know that I can relate to that. We expect people to substitute for Jesus. We expect activity to substitute for Jesus. We expect accomplishment to be a substitute for Jesus. We expect possessions and situations and all of these things to replace the presence of Jesus. And none of those things will replace the presence of Jesus. People cannot do for you what only God can do for you. People cannot give you what only God can give you. People cannot love you in the way that God loves you. And people cannot know you in the way that only God knows you. And so don't expect other things to complete you. Don't expect other things to give you what only God can give you. Everything but Jesus in this life is empty and leaves us feeling lost. Hey, we have some language that we use here at Movement Church that we've gone back to over the last year. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30 that says this. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What Jesus is talking about in those verses is what Mary and Joseph were not mastering in this moment that they walked away from Jesus. Jesus is telling us, what does it look like to follow me, to walk with me, to surrender your life to me? He tells us this in verse 28 of Matthew 11, that we should come to Jesus for peace. If we're looking for peace in anything else, if we're looking for meaning in anything else, if we're looking for meaning in accomplishment or the pace of our lives or what we get done, we're going to be let down. And so Jesus tells us, no, you have to come to me for peace. 
Verse 29 tells us that we need to live in combination with him. If we're truly going to him for peace, then we have to surrender our lives to him. We have to surrender our agenda and our calendar and our to-do list and everything about us, including our family and our expectations and our hope and our peace. Jesus gave us his best and now we can give him our best and give him our lives. And he tells us, that we will live our best lives as we surrender to him and as we live in combination with him. And so the foundation of following Jesus is a relationship with him. He took on the punishment that our sin deserved on the cross. And when we trust in what he did on the cross, we are made whole. We take on his righteousness righteousness, and get to live in relationship with him. And as we live in partnership with him, we're not doing this because we want to follow rules, because we're giving into religion. We're doing this because we're inspired by his sacrifice. Our response to the sacrifice of Jesus is to apprentice his life and apprentice his example. And so what does it mean to apprentice Jesus, to pattern our lives after Jesus? Well, it simply means this, that our lives should be focused on three things. We should want to be with Jesus. We should want to become like Jesus. And we should want to do what he would do if he were you. What would Jesus do if he were a 38-year-old, red-headed, married, father of four who lived in Hilliard, Ohio? That's the question that I should be asking every day. Now, nothing I just said is going to blow your mind. You're like, okay, great, Mark. You just re-explained the gospel to us. You just told us what it looks like to follow Jesus. But I wanted us to have that foundation because everything we're going to say going forward rests on that. Being a follower of Jesus is often described as walking with Jesus. And in this passage that we're looking at, Mary and Joseph struggled to walk with Jesus. They didn't just struggle to walk with Jesus. Some would say they were failing miserably at it. Jesus hadn't moved. Jesus hadn't left. Jesus hadn't walked away from them. But their trajectory had changed. Their expectations had changed. And they weren't asking the question, where is Jesus? Is Jesus in this? Am I walking with Jesus? I shared an example one time on a Sunday morning. I want to share it again. They say that if you want to walk from one side of the United States to the other, from, say, Washington, D.C. to California, and you're headed toward Los Angeles, you're going to walk a certain direction. If you change your trajectory just this much in the beginning, you're going to end up in Northern California instead. You're going to end up in San Francisco instead of Los Angeles. It's amazing what just minor adjustments, minor tweaks to your trajectory and the way that you're walking, the questions you're asking, and the things that you're looking in to your own heart and life about will change your direction. And so I want to ask this this morning. Have you come to Jesus? Have you surrendered to Jesus? Not have you said, man, Jesus is awesome. Man, I need Jesus. I need to be around him. Have you surrendered to Jesus? Mary and Joseph in this story said, your father and I have been frantic searching for you. And yet they weren't really searching for him. They knew they had lost him. And yet they weren't looking for him in the places that would make sense. We live in an age that's so focused on being Jesus adjacent that we've abandoned Jesus. One of the biggest things and tragedies of our modern times is that we celebrate Christ without realizing that he isn't even around us. He isn't even there. He isn't even in the spaces that we want to pretend that he is. Mary and Joseph weren't first-time parents. 
When they left, they knew how this trip worked. At night, everyone would gather around a fire and maybe hunker down and they would do a couple day journey. And so they should have known, hey, Jesus is nowhere to be found. They should have been able to say, yeah, there was that one thing. Oh, where's Jesus? We need Jesus. But maybe they wanted to be productive. Maybe they didn't want to admit, hey, everybody, we're terrible parents and we lost our son. It's kind of that adult version of the cafeteria tables, right? Maybe they were walking with the cool kids and having good conversation and just didn't want to admit that their family was weird. And so instead of following Jesus, they just kept going. And you and I do that. We, we keep walking and we say, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Jesus is, is right around here. This thing I'm doing is awesome. It's what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, God definitely wants me here doing this. I recently read a blog post from a, a columnist who's an atheist. And he was talking about his interaction or his view of Christians as they live their lives today. And this is what he said. I'm not a religious person. So it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there's nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. Instead of walking with Jesus, instead of following Jesus, instead of surrendering to Jesus, most of us are just out running ahead of him and saying, God, keep up with me. God, you better be over here doing what I'm doing. We do what we want to do and we slap a Jesus sticker on it. We say it's God ordained. I'm definitely following Jesus. I'm definitely walking with God. And yet you look around and he's nowhere to be found. Maybe he's, he's over here somewhere next to you, sort of, kind of, you think he's Jesus adjacent, but your life is not centered on Jesus. Have you come to Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? Are you daily living in combination with Jesus? What does it look like to wake up and say, God, I'm a pastor, but I want to be your pastor. God, I'm a nurse, but I want to be the nurse that you want me to be today. God, I'm a, I'm a teacher. How can I have the impact that you want me to have in the lives of my students today? God, I'm a contractor. And I don't know the people I'm going to see today. I don't know the conversations I'm going to have. I don't know who's going to be watching my work and my work ethic. But I want you to be in this. I want you to flow through me. I want to live in combination with you. See, Jesus doesn't walk away from his parents in this moment. His parents walked away from him. How often do we get ahead of Jesus? How often do we walk away from Jesus and pretend the things that we're doing are in his will? I love that his, his, his mom asks him this. She says, why have you done this to us? Why have you done what to us? We, we can't expect Jesus to be in the places that we run to alone. We can't expect Jesus to be there when we've run ahead of him. And we can't be surprised when things fall apart. We knew where peace and love and stability and hope were. And yet we ran ahead of Jesus thinking that those things would still magically happen. Sometimes we need to admit that we're not living in combination with Jesus. And we need to admit that we're the ones who have walked away. I love that Jesus says this to his parents. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And so we have to ask this question. Are you walking with Jesus Are you surrendered to him? Here's something you can write down. 
You're walking with Jesus when you seek his presence and work in his church. He's very clearly told us he's going to be about his father's business. He's going to be about the kingdom of God and he's going to be working in his father's church. Some people would translate this, that he's about his father's affairs. He's doing the work and the business of his father in his father's house. See, let's be real clear. The Bible always pushes us toward two things. Jesus and people. The Bible always pushes us or encourages us or or elevates two things, Jesus and people. And so if our lives are, are oriented toward anything other than Jesus and people, it's probably a good sign that we're not listening to Scripture, we're not submitting to God, we're not walking with Jesus If the truth that you claim is not telling you to spend more time with Jesus, it's not changing you into the character of Jesus, if it's not telling you to spend more time around his people and in his church, then you're probably walking away from him. You're probably not surrendered to him. You're probably not living in combination with him. You're probably one, two, and three days ahead and saying, hey, where's Jesus? Jesus was just here somewhere. I'm sure we'll find him tomorrow. Let's just keep going. Hey, has anyone seen Jesus? No, but, but he's around and we're definitely supposed to be here. We'll, we'll find him later. Jesus wants me over there. Jesus wants me doing this. Jesus wants me to, to lead that. Jesus wants me to take a break. Jesus is calling me away from the church. Jesus is asking my family to walk away from his people and walk away from a commitment to him. We're called to this sport. My kid's going to be on this team. I want to say something This morning that Jesus' parents in this interaction were doing good things. They were with people they knew. They were doing acceptable things, but they were nowhere near Jesus. You can be Jesus adjacent, but not be Jesus centered. Jesus wants us doing the work and the business of his father in his father's church. In fact, let me just give us our big idea for the day and and say this. Walking with Jesus means daily taking steps toward him and being about his father's business in the church. Let me say that again. Walking with Jesus means taking daily steps toward him and being about his father's business in the church because there's some obvious vital signs that are going to be in the life of a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Are you apprenticing Jesus? Are you mimicking his lifestyle with your lifestyle? Or are you just calling the things that you do Christian? Are you just sprinkling some evangelical and some Jesus on top of those things that you're doing? You wanted to take the new job. You wanted to start that new initiative. You wanted to sell your house and move. And you wanted to make that financial decision. And so you just say, hey, it's God ordained. He allowed it to happen. And yet you're finding yourself nowhere around God. You're looking for Jesus, and he's not in the places that you are. Guess what? He didn't walk away. You've walked away from him. Are you apprenticing Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you living a Jesus-centered life? Our minds and our hearts race in this modern age. We're taught to process so many different messages and so many different things every day, and sometimes we, we, we get ahead of God. We think he's taking us over there. We think he's leading us here and we've never prayed about it. We've never stopped and, and thought about it. 
What does it look like for us to rest in Jesus? What does it look like for us to walk with Jesus? What does it look like for us to apprentice Jesus? And what does it look like for us to live our lives in combination with him this year? That's a vital sign that's going to bring us life. That's what I want for our church in this new year. We're going to be getting ready to talk about many great things in the next couple of weeks. But first, our lives and our foundations and our hearts and our egos and our plans and everything that we have has to be centered on Jesus and surrender to Jesus and following Jesus. Are you walking with Jesus or are you running ahead of him and and telling him to catch up and get with you? We want to be centered on Jesus in 2021. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this passage. Lord, We see ourselves so much in this story, in this interaction of Mary and Joseph. And God, we don't want to be people who are pretending that you are involved in something or running ahead and asking you to catch up and be with us or trying to slap a Jesus sticker on things. God, we want to be people who are living lives surrendered to you and in combination with you. And so, Lord, as we we build our careers, help us to walk with you and follow you. As we build our families and lead our families, help us to follow you and walk with you. And Lord, as we make significant financial decisions, help us to walk with you and to follow you. Lord, we know that peace is only found in you and in nothing else. We want your presence. We want your love. We want relationship with you. We want to know peace because you are our Father. God, help us to be about your business and about your church in this next year. Surrender our lives to you and all these things to you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.